0: Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message brought to you by John Crampton. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. Thank you for praying with us. You guys can go ahead and and take a seat. And I get the the privilege of sharing the word with us this morning. And... uh, Don't think I'll go as long as John went the last two weeks. <laughs> no promises, but I don't think. Uh, awesome. So I'm in uh, the book of Second Kings. So I don't know if you guys remember. I preached a couple, couple of weeks back, and we were in Second Kings, and we looked at kind of, uh, we 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 skipped over different portions of, portions of chapters one two and or one and two mostly, and uh, today we're going to have a look at chapter three. Uh, but so what we looked at, just to give you guys a bit of context, if you weren't here when I shared a couple of weeks back, um, is, is we spoke about burning bridges, and uh, the, the fascinating story when Elijah comes and calls Elisha to follow him, and uh, what Elisha, who who was a, a farmer, what he does is he goes and takes his plowing equipment, slaughters his, his cattle, makes a fire while he burns the the plowing equipment, and cooks the meat, and they have a big, glorious braai, and, and that's the end of his his business. And so he, he burns his bridges in the sense that he's got no other option of turning back and going back to where he was before. The saying, "burn, don't burn your bridges, where that comes from, it's from um, you know, military time uh, back in long, long ago, <laughs> when they used to have ships and stuff where they, that, that sailed to go and fight the, the enemy. And what the commanders would sometimes do is as they crossed over a water channel, the commander of the army would say burn the ships or burn the bridge that they used to get over so that the army would know we've got no other option. We fight to death or we have victory. Uh, and so that's where the saying, don't burn your bridges, comes from, is because they used to burn their bridges or burn their boats, uh, giving themselves no other option. And so Elisha burnt his bridges. He gave himself no other option but to follow um, follow Elijah and follow the Lord and and see what God had in store for him. And so we were speaking about giving ourselves no back-out option when it comes to following Jesus, that we'd be so wholeheartedly um, you know, passionate in our pursuit of, of following Him that we would burn any bridges to the, the past. So we, we touched on that. We also looked at how Elisha received the double portion when Elijah asked him, you know, what is it that you want if I could do something for you? And Elisha responds and says, I want a double portion of, of your mantle. And so... You know, oftentimes I think the Lord does come to us and he says, well, what do you want? Uh, And and amazing that that's what Elisha asked for. He could have asked for for money, riches, uh, glory, power, you you name it, what he could have asked for, but he asks for a double portion um, in, in his serving of the Lord. Um, we then also looked at Second at Kings chapter, 9, um, chapter 2, verse 19 to 22, where Elisha goes and heals the water. So there's a uh, th- there's water, and the water's uh, not not really drinkable, and uh, people getting sick and dying from it. And so what Elisha does is he says, "Bring me a new bowl and bring me some salt." He puts the salt in the bowl and throws the salt into the water, and the water is instantly healed. And so we looked at uh, that we are the salt of the earth, and that God is doing a new thing. And that was the relevance with the new bowl that uh, we, can, we can be the salt, that we can bring life to dead things, and we can bring restoration in our nation, in our business, in your school, in your environment. Whatever it is that you're doing, God is calling you to bring transformation and bring life. So that's where we were a couple of weeks back. We're now going to carry on the story. We're in Second Kings chapter 3. So if you've got your Bible with you, uh, I really want to encourage you to open. We're going to read a long passage. We're going to read Second Kings chapter 3 from verses four all the way down to verse 24. So it's 20 verses that we're going to be reading. So if you have got your Bible uh, to follow along, that'll be helpful. I'm going to be reading from the NIV and um, we will have the scripture up on the screen as well. So here we go. 2 Kings chapter 3 verse 4. Now Misha king of Moab raised sheep. He had to pay the king of Israel a tribute of a hundred thousand lambs and the wool of rams. That's a hundred thousand rams. That's a pretty big tax or rent due. I mean, these guys had some serious wealth. But after Ahab died, so Ahab was king of uh, Samaria, Israel. Um, after Ahab died, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. So at that time, King Joram set out from Samaria and mobilized all Israel. He also sent this message to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. The king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me to fight against Moab? I will go with you, he replied. I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. By what route shall we attack, he asked. Through the desert of Edom, he answered. So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. After a roundabout march of seven days, the army had no water for themselves, or for the animals with them. What? exclaimed the king of Israel. Has the Lord called us three kings together only to deliver us into the hands of Moab? But Jehoshaphat asked, Is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. means he used to be Elijah's servant. Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Elisha said to the king of Israel, Why do you want to involve me? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. No, the king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who called us three kings together to deliver us into the hands of Moab. Elisha said, As surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, If I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not pay any attention to you. But now, bring me a harpist." So Elisha is a little bit irritated, he's not impressed with the kings. And so at this point he says, I just need to kind of recalibrate a little bit, bring me a musician, I just need to set set my heart, my mind right. So while the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came on Elisha, and he said, This is what the Lord says, Make this valley full of ditches, for this is what the Lord says, You will see neither wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water, and you, your cattle, and your other animals will drink. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. He will also deliver Moab into your hands. You will overthrow every fortified city and every major town. You will cut down every good tree, stop up all the springs, and ruin every good field with stones. The next morning, about the time of of offering the sacrifice, there it was, water flowing from the direction of Edom, and the land was filled with water. Now all the Moabites had heard that the kings had come to fight against them. So every man, young and old, who could bear arms, was called up and stationed on the border. When they got up early in the morning, the sun was shining on the water. The Moabites across the way, sorry, to the Moabites across the way, the water looked red like blood. That's blood, they said. Those kings must have fought and slaughtered each other. Now to the plunder, Moab. But when the Moabites came to the camp of Israel, the Israelites rose up and fought them until they fled. And the Israelites invaded the land and slaughtered the Moabites. We'll stop over there. Well, I know that was a long passage, uh, but so many things happening in the story in Second uh, in, in Kings 3. A miracle might happen today, Breakthrough. We might cover almost an entire chapter in one sermon. <laughs> Just teasing John. So the three kings gather together and um there's this tax of 100,000 uh, um lamb and the the wool of 100,000 rams that's that's due to Israel but uh the, the Mesha king of Moab says like forget this I'm done Ahab's not here anymore I'm not going to pay this rent I'm not going to pay this tax whatever the the payment was for um and so he reneges on on the agreement and so now the the king of Israel uh, Edom and, and and Judah they gather together and they say well, this is not okay. Let's uh, let's go and let's go and battle. Let's go fight and let's go get what what's due to us. And so they they gather together and they go through Edom through the desert. Uh, that's the approach that they take to get get to Moab, to now go and go and battle. And um, as they're going, seven days they're walking through this desert until they reach a point where they got no more water, and uh, they they start freaking out. What are we going to do? And it's at that point that they then go to a, uh, you know, a prophet of the Lord to find out what they should do, and uh, we read the rest of the story. just wanted to recap the beginning part because it was so long. So I think the first thing for us to learn out of the story is this attitude of, we've got this. You know, the three kings, as they gather together, they, they've almost got this, this attitude of, we've got this. There's three of us, and it's just the one Moabite tribe. We've got this. And as I'm reading this, the story, as I'm preparing for this morning, you know, I'm, I'm seeing myself in them a little bit, you know, it's easy to say, we've got this, Daryl, you've got this, whatever it is that, that you might be facing, that, that sometimes we, we forget to go to the Lord and say, God, what is your counsel? What is your wisdom? What are you saying about this situation? And instead we have this attitude of, well, I've got this, I've, I've done this before, we've, we've faced this battle before, we've walked this road before, you know, we've got this. And so the kings don't seek the counsel of the Lord; uh, they just go straight in. Uh, Jehoshaphat says, "This is the, the, the strategy that he thinks that they should take in their approach of, of, of going into battle with Moab." See, the interesting thing is, just a couple chapters earlier in First Kings chapter twenty-two, uh, this time they did seek the Lord. So let me read to you First Kings twenty-two verse four and five. So he asked Jehoshaphat, "Will you go with me to fight against Ramoth Gilead?" Jehoshaphat replied to the king of Israel. At this time, the king is Ahab. He says, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. But Jehoshaphat also said to the king of Israel, First seek the counsel of the Lord. See, first time around, when these kings are gathering together in this coalition, um, they say, Let's seek the Lord. And, and they do go and seek the Lord. And it's a, that's a whole other uh, story and sermon, which I'll leave for you guys to read and uh, have some fun with by yourself. But they seek the Lord the first time around. Next time around, now they're gathering. It's no longer Ahab. Ahab has died. And uh, yeah, he died because he didn't listen to the Lord. Um, and so now it's the, the next king. And they're saying, let's, let's collaborate together, let's go and uh, plunder Moab. But they don't seek the Lord. You see, they thought, we've got this. I want to encourage us that sometimes when we face something that we've faced before, uh, or we're with someone who's faced that thing before, that we don't just rely on our own skills, talents, and abilities, and forget about the Lord uh, as we're going forward in life, but that in everything that we do, our heart posture and attitude is, let me seek the Lord, and God, what are you saying about this situation? God, what is your strategy in this situation, God, how should we uh, approach this? What should we do? And so let's not have an attitude of, we've got this. Let's have an attitude of, God, what are you doing in this moment? I think a, a beautiful thing, though, on the, the opposite side of this, the spectrum is, is how these three kings do collaborate and they, they join together for a common goal and they work together. Note that these are kings, they're not priests. I think oftentimes when you read the Bible, we're thinking of priests, but these are kings, these are are business people, these are rulers of of, of big regions, they're overseeing many thousands of people, Uh, they're business people, and so they collaborate and they work together uh, I just want to touch on business a little bit right now because I think when it comes to business dealings, Christian with Christian, oh man, it's so often messy. How many of you guys have heard of people say, oh, I'm just not willing to deal with another believer because it's just not good? And, and so Christians in some areas of, of industry have developed a really bad name for ourselves And that's not okay. And I think the reason why that's happened is oftentimes when we're doing business, we say, well, with a fellow believer, we think, oh, well, this is a believer, he's going to give me a good deal. Or this is a believer, and so it doesn't matter if I pay late. Or this is a believer, it doesn't matter if, you know, I I take a little bit extra. Whatever the case, I think our mindset is often, um, I'm going to get a good deal because I'm dealing with a fellow believer. As true as that might be, that's just a totally unhealthy mindset. I think the true and good godly mindset we should have when we're dealing with one another in business, it should be, I'm dealing with a fellow believer, I'm going to give them a good deal. I'm going to go the extra mile to help my fellow believer in business, wherever possible, obviously not if it's destroying your business. But our, our hard attitude should be, how can I be a blessing, not can I be How can I be blessed? you see the difference. I think, I think too often we've gone in with, how can I be blessed? And I think that's the reason why oftentimes business between believers has gone horribly wrong. And so I love how the kings, their, their, their attitude is, let's do this together. You know, the, Jehoshaphat says, what's mine is yours. My, my horses are your horses. My people are your people. As I am, you are. Whatever is mine is yours. Let's, let's do this together. And I think that's a healthy attitude, a healthy mindset when it comes to business. You know, what's mine is yours, and and let's bless one another, Um, not expect to be blessed from one another. You know, Matthew 7, verse 12, says, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. And so, as you would like to be blessed... Scripture says that we should be a blessing to others, and so let's do unto others as we would have them do to us. So the next point I want to pull out of this, this story, this fascinating story, is that it's never too late to realize you don't got this. <laughs> you see, you go in thinking, I got this. Us three kings, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna dominate King Mishael of Moab. He doesn't send a chance. They go in thinking, we've got this, and then before they even start the battle, they're like, we don't got this. It's never too late to turn to the Lord and realize you don't got this. You know, so often I think our pride gets in the way and we, we think, man, I started this thing on my own and I'm, I've, I've done fine this far. Um, I'm going to just keep going. You know, it's never too late to stop and say, God, I, I need you. I need breakthrough. God, I, I don't got this. I need you. And so that's what these kings do. Seven days, they're going through the desert. No water. I mean, you can only go a couple of days without water and, and, and you're dead. They're about to all die, basically. That's what they, they say to one another is, has God brought us out here into the desert so that the Moabites can come and destroy us all? Surely not. Let's, let's seek the Lord. And so they start to seek counsel of the Lord. Fascinating with Elisha. Why was Elisha even there? You know, They've been journeying for seven days uh, through the desert. Elisha is not the, the, the prophet for the, the, the king or anything at this point. He's not the, the, the prophet for the army. He's only just received the mantle from Elijah. Why is it that Elisha is walking with them? You can only think it's God's grace that he spoke to Elisha, and Elisha's following on on this, this death journey of a seven-day hike through the desert with no water, or not enough water, that he happens to be there with them. You see, when they go call Elisha, it's not that they journey seven days back to go find Elisha in the town. No, Elisha's right there with them. He's been journeying with them. His tent is there. And so the kings go down to his tent as a a sign of honor and respect. Normally they would call the the prophet to them. 2 Kings 3, verse 10, 11. Let me read it. What exclaimed the king of Israel? Has the Lord called us three kings together only to deliver us into the hands of Moab? But Jehoshaphat asked, Is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? See, the kings have to humble themselves because they know if they don't, death is their portion. See, the Lord is so compassionate. I think that's why Elisha was there. The Lord knew what they were getting into, the Lord knew that they hadn't sought um, the Lord's advice or counsel. The Lord knew that they were doing their own thing. The Lord knew that their heart attitude was, we got this. But yet the Lord is still so compassionate and gracious towards them that he he obviously speaks somehow to Elisha, that Elisha just knows he needs to be there with them because they they might turn to him. Psalms 103 verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Man, when you find yourself in a situation where you're just thinking, I don't got this, I want to remind you and let you know, God is loving, He's compassionate, and He's gracious, and it's never too late to stop and say, God, I need you. It's never too late to turn from the, the path that you were going on and saying, God, this is where I've been going, but I don't know if this is the way for me. I don't know, what the, you know where, where I'm going here, but things are not working out very good. I'm finding myself stuck in a desert. I've got no water. Myself and everyone around me is going to die if I keep going, God, where are you? I need you. It's never too late to cry out and say, God, where are you? I need you. And So what does Elisha do? He's irritated with the kings because uh, these kings didn't always follow in the ways of the Lord. They, they, they worshipped pagan gods from time to time and so um, Elisha's not very impressed but it's because of Jehoshaphat who he says, because of you I, w- I will honor you and I will, I will hear from the Lord. But he needs to just get his mind right. So what does he do? He calls for a musician and he just takes some time in the presence of the Lord. He takes some time to worship He takes some time just to recalibrate from his position of frustration towards the kings to, God, my heart is set on you. What are you saying in this moment? God, what are you doing in this moment? And he he recalibrates. You know, when you find yourself and you're stuck in the desert, you find yourself, you've walked down the road that you thought you were supposed to walk down because you've walked down that road numerous times before or because it's just, you, you find yourself there in the desert Alone, without water, and you don't know what to do. Recalibrate. Put on some worship music. Set your heart upon the Lord. Realize that you don't got this, that you need Him. Say, God, I need you right now. I need the God of breakthrough to come and intervene in my situation right now. Humble yourself. Kneel before Him and worship. That's what Elisha does gets into the presence of God and from the place of his presence breakthrough comes and God brings the solution. You see, it goes from we've got this to we don't got this. (laughs) God, where are you? God says, I've got this. You see, whatever situation you find yourself in, however big or small, I want to say to you that God's got this. God will turn all things around for good it's part of the meaning of the prophetic painting this morning God will turn your situation around for good and so as Elisha's been in the presence of the Lord worship time God then speaks the hand of the Lord comes upon Elisha and this is the this is the clincher verse right here verse 16. This is what the Lord says. Make this valley full of ditches. I think this is a test of their faith. What are they going to do with the word of the Lord? Make this valley full of ditches. They're they're in the desert. There's no sign of any clouds. You know, this is not Elijah with a, I see the cloud the the size of a man's fist. (laughs) There's no sign of any rain or water make this valley full of ditches. Different translations will have it differently, but but most of the older translations have it, make this valley full of ditches. I think the Lord tests their faith. I think he's asking them, do you believe that I'm going to come through? Do you believe that I have got this? Do you believe that I can bring breakthrough in this situation? And will you act upon the word that I give you? Will you do something? You see, so often when God speaks to us, he, he, he expects us to do something in response to what he's saying. Come on, my fellow millennial missionaries. Come on, we love lying on the, the couch in the lounge saying, I'm going to change the world. <laughs> How's that working out for you? <laughs> you know, we've got to get up and do something. To the armies, the three armies, make some ditches. Scripture doesn't give us any detail, but I I wonder what happened. Did they tell all the, the, the army forces to turn their swords into shovels and start digging? What did they do? I don't know. But we do know that the next morning around offering time, what happens is without sign of wind or rain, water starts flowing and the valley gets filled with water. The ditches that they had are now holding the water. I think God's doing a new thing. And sometimes he says we need to prepare for the new thing. You know, you can't put new wine into an old wine skin. We need a new wine skin to hold the new wine. God's doing a new thing and and we need to prepare the ground. We need to prepare the soil in your heart. You need to prepare your business, whatever it is. Whatever God is saying to you. As you might find yourself in the desert and God might speak to you. He might be saying to you, dig some ditches. If I had to give my sermon a title this morning, it would be called Digging Ditches. (laughs) People, let's dig some ditches. Let's get ready for what God is doing. Let's get ready for what He's about to do. Let's dig some ditches. They dig some ditches and the water comes. They've got water now to sustain them. You know, imagine going to going to war, and you haven't had water for how many days? You're not going to do very well. You're going to be exhausted and dehydrated, and the Moabites would have plundered them. You see, I think often also we we we, we seek the Lord. So perhaps we perhaps we don't have an attitude of I've got this or that you then have to find yourself in a situation where I, I don't got this and then come back to God's got this. Perhaps you, you, you trust the Lord from the beginning um, in your life or perhaps a, a difficult situation that you're facing and perhaps you, you do seek the Lord's counsel and perhaps he says to you, dig some ditches. I think some of us, what we do is we go and analyze. We go and take a soil condition test. But, but if I dig for, for water, there's not gonna be any water over here because the land is dry. And so we get into this very analytical exercise inside of our brain where we start thinking, is God telling us to dig for a borehole over here? Because I don't think there's going to be any water down here. And is that going to be a good use of our military's you know, energies? Because we're about to go fight. And if we're about to go fight, we need all the energy we can get. And so we shouldn't waste our energy and, and our sword, turn our swords into shovels to dig these ditches. This just doesn't sound like a wise plan. You see, I think some of us, we get into this intellectual um, you know, argument or process in your head where we start to overanalyze and deconstruct what God has said, where sometimes we just need to go with simple obedience and do the thing that God is saying for us to do, even though it makes absolutely no practical sense. You see, His ways are not our ways. His ways are altogether other from our ways. And so when He says, dig ditches, You need to turn your sword into a shovel, and you need to dig some ditches. (laughs) See, I think we get upset when, when it doesn't go the way we think it should go. God, send the rain, or God, can't we hit the rock again like Moses did? It's the same desert. God, you did it this way before. I'm sure you're going to do it this way again. Why must we now do it a different way? I think sometimes we get disappointed with this illusion because God doesn't respond in the way we think he should respond. God doesn't do what we would like him to do. He doesn't say, I've got this, in the way you hoped he would say, I've got this. You see, his ways, his ways are other. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's ways are other. Uh, we just need to follow Him. You know, when, when the word of the Lord comes, the, the, the best thing that we can do is to just act in obedience and do what He's telling us to do. Even when it feels like, God, we're in the desert here, we've got no water. We don't have the energy to dig these ditches right now. Digging these ditches could be the end of us. Sometimes it's like burning your bridges. You just can't give yourself another option. It's all in. We don't believe in gambling, but it's a, it's a nice analogy with poker where you're all in, all the chips in the middle of the table. This is it, God. I'm I'm all in on you. There's no other option. There's no there's no way out of this. Our only hope is you. I mean, we, we're a prophetic people and we, we love getting prophetic words and hearing from the Lord and what is God saying to us. Come on again, my millennial friends. <laughs> So often we, we, we just, we, we, we long and yearn for the word of the Lord. We want to hear that we're powerful, that we're amazing, that we're world changers, that we are nation shakers, that, that, that we are going to change the face of this earth. Come It's what we live for. So we, we live for significance. We live to make a difference in the world. But I think too often we, we get so caught up on just the, the, the glory of the sound of what that might look like. And, and we end up lying on the couch at home, thinking, man, it's gonna be good. <laughs> we, we dream about what God is gonna do one day. It's so good to dream. But sometimes we need to get up and we need to dig some ditches. Sometimes we need to do something with the prophetic word that God is giving to you, and we need to start to act upon it Now don't get me wrong, there are totally times where wait upon the Lord is the right and godly thing to do. And when it speaks of wait upon the Lord, it means an intentional pursuit of His presence. That's what it means to wait on the Lord. It doesn't mean you lie on the couch, Xbox and and Netflix. That's not waiting on the Lord, That's, that's waiting on Netflix. Or Xbox, or whatever it is. I loved the memes right at the beginning of, of lockdown. Aren't you guys so glad we didn't go into a high level of lockdown and we can still gather? We were unsure what President Cyril was going to say. It's so good that we can still have 250 people gathering together, yeah, so we're so grateful for that. But level five lockdown, I love the memes that were going around, you know, two weeks in, I finished Netflix. <laughs> oh, goodness. It's like a goal of a millennial. Let me finish Netflix. <laughs> No, come on, guys. When God speaks to us and he gives us a prophetic word or or the word of the Lord comes, we've got to do something with that. We've got to act upon that word that God is saying to us. We can't just always sit back and do nothing. We need to seek him and do something. We need to dig some ditches. And let's not get upset if the solution comes in a way that is other to what you hoped it would be. I think this trips up so many of us where we, we anticipate that this is how God is gonna bring breakthrough and it doesn't come and look in the way that you thought it would look. You know, you'll you'll you hear something from the Lord and your brain automatically formulates well this is how it will look like. Come on, I know we do this subconsciously, we don't even think about it necessarily in your conscious mind, but I know in your subconscious mind uh, when you hear a prophetic word sometimes or you hear something from the Lord, your mind automatically starts to to, to calculate what is this going to look like. The beginning of the year, you know the prophetic words about it being a double portion season, double portion year, It's it's a year of blessing and increase and then lockdown happens. Come on, I wonder how much of the the disillusionment that happened in in some people was because we had formulated what that double portion blessing would look like. In your mind, maybe you thought, oh man, it means my business contracts from this supplier are going to double this year. Or my bank balance is going to double this year. Or whatever it is, you formulated in your mind what you thought God was going to do. I wonder if perhaps some of us have maybe missed the double portion in what God is doing because it doesn't look like what you thought it was going to look like. You see, sometimes it's not by wind or rain <laughs> that the water comes, God does it in an altogether other way. As we near towards the end of this year, I want to encourage us this morning let's be completely open to what God is doing. And and let's humble ourselves and say, God, if I had a a pre-calculated thought process of what I thought you were going to do and it's led me up for disappointment, Lord, help me to repent of those thoughts and and, and to come into alignment with what you're doing. I thank you that you you do want to bless us and that your heart is for us. But we're totally okay with you, God, doing whatever it is that you want to do. Because I love what John's been saying the last couple of weeks. Remember, it's his story. It's not your story. We just get to play a part in his story. I'm sure I've told you guys before, but I've got a book on my bookshelf in my, in my office. I haven't read the book because the, the title reads the book for itself. It's called Deliver Us From Evil." <laughs> <laughs> You've read the book <laughs> just by hearing the title. Deliver Us From evil. You know, in Meval, you're the center of the story. (laughs) And our Western culture tells us that you're the center of your story. I wonder even sometimes if the prophetic words that we long for are are just if we're looking for something to feed that, that lie that it's all about you and all about your story instead of, no, it's all about him and his story. So let's not get disappointed or disillusioned When the solution and the working of the Lord comes in a way that looks other to what you thought it should look like. I love this then. Our God is the God of more than enough. They seek the Lord for water. I mean, the the, the battle that they're about to go into has become a separate side issue. It's not even a factor anymore because if they don't get water, they're as good as dead. They're not even going to go to battle. They're just going to die there in the desert. They seek the Lord for water. What does God say? Or Elisha says, this thing is easy for the Lord. Let me find it here quickly. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. He will deliver Moab into your hands. You will overthrow every fortified city and every major town. You will cut down every good tree, stop up all the springs and ruin every good field with stones. They seek the Lord for water, they get water, but not only do they get water, they get a victory over the Moabites. They haven't even even sought the Lord for the victory in this battle, but yet God gives it to them. You see, when we seek the Lord for whatever thing it is, His nature, His character is so good and so generous that He doesn't just give us what we're asking for, but He gives us so much more. They seek Him for water and they get a a resounding victory in battle and they get water. Our God is amazing. Our God is generous. Our God is powerful. And when you seek Him for a small thing, don't be surprised if you get more than what you asked for (laughs) in the good sense. Our God is the God that gives you more than what you ask for. He's the generous one. He's the giving one. He's the God of more than enough. Let's stand. Lord Jesus, thank you that you have us Focused on digging ditches this morning. (laughs) Thank you for your miraculous supply. That you supply in situations where it just seems like there is no practical solution lying before us. You are the God of the miraculous and you supply miraculously. Lord, I ask for each one of us, whatever it is that we might be facing. That, that you, the God of breakthrough, will bring breakthrough, that you will bring miraculous supply, that as we find ourselves in the desert with no water, for whatever reason, because of lockdown, because of you know, this, because of whatever it might be, Lord, that as we find ourselves in, in difficult times, as we turn to you, thank you that you bring miraculous supply. Thank you, Lord, that you stir our faith, that we will have faith like Elisha had, faith to to seek you to serve you to follow you lord that when when you give the instruction to do something that we will respond quickly with faith and that we'll do it that we won't get into an over analytical mind process or thought process that over analyzes what you're saying but that we will act quickly and swiftly and be obedient to the words that you speak to us lord thank you that you do speak to us Thank you that you are gracious that when we think we've got this, when we actually are weighing over our heads and we don't got this, thank you, Lord, that you've got this. Thank you that whatever situations we find ourselves in, you've got this. If there's a situation that you're facing right now, I just want to encourage you, just bring that to the you know, the forefront of your mind. And let's just trust the Lord together that he's got this, whether it be a physical ailment that you're needing healing in, whether it be a business deal, whether it be a family situation, whether it be a relational thing, whether it be grief or heartache, whatever it is where you just feel like you're in the desert and there's just no life. Bring that thing before the Lord right now. Lord, as we bring these things before you, thank you that you have got this. Thank you that whatever difficulty we find ourselves in, whatever desert we find ourselves in, Thank you that this is an easy thing for you to bring us out of this situation. Thank you that this is an easy thing for you to bring freedom and deliverance. And so, Lord, we speak to these areas. We speak to these situations. We speak to whatever desert we're in, whether because of our own doing or because of someone else's doing, because of government, whatever it might be. We speak to these things and we say, be moved in Jesus' name. Lord, will you bring solutions? Will you bring water to the desert? Thank you that hope is rising to those situations that felt hopeless before. I just speak to them and I say, hope arise in Jesus' name. I declare to those situations, there is hope. There is hope. There is hope. Thank you, Lord, that you open up our eyes to see what you are doing. That it might not be by wind or rain, but you are sending water. Thank you that to each one of us here this morning, you're sending living water. Lord, help us to know when and where to dig those ditches so that when the water comes, we can hold that water, that we can drink of what you're doing. Thank you that you help us and show us where to dig ditches in hopeful anticipation of the breakthrough that is coming. And so I speak to those situations and I say breakthrough is coming. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.